All right. Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, a podcast about exploring the sprawling treasures of geekdom. And I can't remember the rest of our intro because um, we've done this. <laughs> we've done uh, an earlier recording today about cyberpunk. And what? now we're going to talk about our Sundered Horizons game, um, our Saturday side quests. Um, these uh, have been, in my mind, even as the GM for those, so few and far between that sometimes it's hard to pick up back up uh, between them. <laughs> so um, why don't we start with, can everyone give a quick introduction of their characters and what initially motivated their characters as the game started? I don't know if the, you don't necessarily have to go with that one because we all had pre-gens for this one since <laughs> it was supposed to be basically kind of a one-shot-ish sort of game. Uh, well, I play Liliana Sterling. A, um, she's a little bit of, uh, she's a kind of a librarian, but she's also a botanist. Um, she's got a kind of a librarian look to her, you know, with the skirts and the proper thing. I, I feel like I have this very Jane of the Jungle kind of feeling and vibe from her. <laughs> like she's... Uh, a proper English lady, but she's also somebody who spends a lot of time in the jungles uh, catalog cataloging interesting and new arcane biology is one of her specialties. So she finds rare and rare, unusual plants with magical properties and catalogs them. So uh, she spends a lot of time alone or with uh, native help around her. So I actually would like her to have a little bit more like cultures in that, that she knows how to talk to people who are not necessarily proper English people. And I feel like she feels comfortable in different places and with different cultures, she easily adapts. That's part of what would help her be a success. She's used to essentially being alone on her own and kind of like nobody understanding her. Even though she makes the effort to understand others, she doesn't really feel understood herself. Wow, I don't think uh, Warren has any of those issues. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have Warren Cogsley, aka Rusty. He's like a big, boisterous machinist turned tinkerer. Uh, he's got the weird magic background or weird science background. So he's got the... Uh, Ether infused automaton, which is like self-propelled armor, and then his new project that gives him the boost slash lower trait ability, which is always a, a bit of fun in Savage World. So I think he's just he's got like he's like he's got the the uh, the drawback or the hindrance of uh, elderly, like not as young as he used to be. So I think he's got that big personality, but like occasionally the gimpy knee and like oh you know. <laughs> You, you youngins have to slow down, but um, I don't know that he's that introspective. Interesting. I never pictured him as elderly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't he's... know that I actually played it that much, but like, you know, I think <laughs> he is. <laughs> huh. he's, um, I think he's in his like late 50s or so is kind of the okay. easy on the elderly here. Sparky. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like elderly I think he's in the guy. Victorian sense. You wake uh, up and your back is kind of twitchy and you didn't do anything to deserve it. And so, you know, you just lean on to your automaton and get to where you're going. So yeah, I sure. think he probably just hasn't woken up with the uh, back spasms slash achy knee because the thunderstorm is coming. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I was Thad, uh, Thaddeus Hargrave, um, who was a uh, wealthy industrialist, got made all of his money in mining, um, and he funded the original portal experiment, um, hoping to basically find more riches. Um, and he uh, has a... Uh, nemesis, I guess, <laughs> uh, who uh, also helped fund this portal thing and is kind of taking all the credit for it. Um, but he's supposed to be a middle-aged guy, like well-dressed, has like these clockwork glasses, um, kind of like a steampunk millionaire, <laughs> I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and then he's got a cane, um, which the head of it is like this ornate gear. Um but he's an ambitious guy. He's very shrewd um, and a little bit crazy. <laughs> he's a little bit aloof. Um, or aloof. Um, but he's like a determined leader. And I guess he's he lost his fortune and he's trying to get it all back now. So And he's determined yeah. to do so, so. He's like a steampunk millionaire on the verge of bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now after this, who knows? Yep. And um, I am playing Alaric Lockwood, who I envision he's these kind of the explorer, adventurer, semi-swashbuckler type, trying to play him somewhere between like a Doc Savage and Gaston from <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. He's, he's, he's like not Disney quite Beauty that narcissistic. Beast, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um so, you know, um, he's, I can't say, I, because I joined late, I'm not exactly up to date really on figuring out his motivations for things other than he's an explorer. He wants to know what's over the next hill. Um, he's been thrust in this situation where clearly his leadership is needed, <laughs> um, but he's trying not to be too overbearing about it. So it's, it's, there's a... I'm trying to, when I play him, I try and walk the line between narcissist, scoundrel, and actual explorer. And there's, there's some place where those three things combine that is him. For those who are like, this is maybe their first episode of it. Um, the idea behind it is the Savralia Federation, um, very much like, in English or maybe Dutch or one of those other empires has just gotten out of a war with Astrakia. And um, that's kind of the, the background setting. It's steampunk with magic. Um, and the characters were all invited to a demonstration of this new wondrous technology that would help solve resource problems um, that Servalia had. And uh, there was this portal uh, as this demonstration, and uh, Thaddeus's character was one of the people who had f helped fund it, um, and several of the others were brought in for various reasons, um, some of which were just, hey, this is a social event. Let's invite famous people to it. Um, something went wrong with the portal, and uh, things exploded, and... Uh, they found themselves in some sort of cave somewhere, um, not quite sure where they were, and uh, 
the adventure started from there. Um, so let me ask this, uh, recapping that what have been some of the most memorable moments or events for your characters so far? Setting off a landmine with a grenade. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Blowing up some of the gloom spider, uh, a large amount of gloom spiders. That was, that was pretty fun. That was, and I love the fact that, um, Savage Worlds allows us to set off a landmine with a grenade easily. Like rules wise. Mm hmm. I think the setup, like the, just the initial setup of being in the the room with the device and things starting to get a little wibbly wobbly and um, certain um, attributes of characters coming to the fore. That was that was fun. It was like a good sort of, you know, it felt like the beginning. It felt like the beginning of like a pulp adventure, right? Like mm -hmm. things are going to get strange and a portal to nowhere is going to open or actually I guess it was somewhere. But in any case, I loved that that build up. Um, and venturing through the portal because I love Stargate, but <laughs> I liked uh, I liked the fact that it was like even I think our characters knew something is going to go wrong with this portal. Something right. is going to break here. <laughs> Whose fault is it going to be? So like every time one of us like even approached it, we were like eyeballing them. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I, I remember I think it was uh, Ken. It was uh, your character that was like, no, 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 something's broken. Hang on, let me fix it. <laughs> so I had, I had actually run this game with a, with a home group as well, with Aaron also in it. And what one of the things that I've and the dogs are also giving some commentary. Hopefully, you can't hear too much of that. Um, they're outside, but right outside my window. Um, but. Uh, what was interesting is in both games, one of the characters messed with the portal in some way, um, <laughs> you know, and so who knows, was it because the characters messed with the portal that things blew up or was it going to happen in the first place? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's in in this game, uh, you know, Oren was like, oh, things are out of alignment. Let me fix that. And in the other game, uh one of the one of the players had picked another one of the pregens that I had made who really who had like dropped out of the aristocracy and really was like power to the people fight the man sort of thing and started a fire in the in the in the ball and with and like all the all the uh, all the decorations and everything like that just burst into flames um while this portal thing was starting up and uh and then and then things went wrong from there so it's interesting <laughs> to see how the different groups played um and uh and yeah so it was it's been fun to to run both of those sort of things because even though you have a, an adventure written if you have different people sitting down um at the table, it can go wildly differently. Oh yeah, um, which is pretty, <laughs> the, always fun with role playing. One of the things I liked the most, like as soon as we first started, was you asked each of us like three questions, and I think that was kind of where the nemesis came in because I was not ready for that at all, <laughs> <laughs> and it put me on my back foot. I was like, 
I actually kind of really like this now. <laughs> now I've got some somewhere to go with it right away, which is really cool. So I really yeah, and that was kind of a change between when I ran it like locally um, was I wanted to ask those sorts of leading questions because you guys may not have had a chance to like read the character backstories that had been created for these people. Um, and I say that because this was also my first foray into using chat GPT as an assist and a, as an assistant GM. Mm-hmm. And so there was, there was some backstory and stuff that was, that was put together and I, that I re-edited. But when you're handing out pre-generated characters, you never can be quite sure if the player like really grocks it, really understands it. And so I wanted to have like, to get you guys understanding and and into the character in your own with your own twist on it um by asking those questions um and i've the upcoming adventure if we if we play it um i'm actually like pulling from some some of the answers of those questions that Mm -hmm. have happened uh to you know make it more personal um and have you got your characters specifically be involved with it which that that was kind of one of the more memorable parts of that was the way that that started off and it kind of helped right off the bat it was like oh cool i have i have a lot of my questions answered as a player like oh cool i'm not just (laughs) diving right into this even though it was kind of like diving right into it and even though i'm on my back foot that's where i love to be (laughs) (laughs) one of the things that you you really start to like when your roles are just terrible all the time. <laughs> you did have some terrible roles. <laughs> always, always have terrible roles. Like not Will Wheaton level terrible, but pretty terrible. Oh, I don't no, know if he has Josh, have you seen how like how bad? Oh, I've seen Will okay. Wheaton role. <laughs> yeah, like super important plot reasons. You know, you really should succeed or or hopefully succeed and he rolls a natural one you know in a D game that's sort of terrible like um, if you need a two or higher don't let will wheaton roll yeah or don't tell him he needs a two or higher yeah yeah you know it's it's like it, back in college we'd say hey don't roll a one and a lot of times i mean it, i'm sure it was coincidence but a lot of times ones would be oh, yeah. rolled mm-hmm. <laughs> Any other memorable moments come to mind? Got two people. <laughs> Liliana's you know, failed a lot more than she's succeeded, so she's yeah. hasn't really had many successes. Uh, I think her most successful thing was creating a fire circle and she had to spend numerous rounds trying to get (laughs) even that to occur. She fails a lot more than she succeeds right now. Um, by and large. If I remember right though, uh, she was the one that figured out that they didn't like fire though. Right. Uh, she did figure that out and then spent, an enormous amount of effort trying to just protect herself from the spider. She has, I mean, she has a gun, but she might as well point it at her head for how useful it is. (laughs) I have a note that, uh, that Rusty built an ethereal bomb, but I don't actually remember setting it off. Did I do that? 
<laughs> I don't think you did. I think, I, I I think, think that was it. toward the end of one of the sessions. And then you, it's been so long. Uh, yeah. I don't think you built the, you, I don't think you set the ethereal bomb off or if you, you did, it was to get rid of gloom spiders. So, so remind me when you were making the pregens, did you use ChatGPT to I generate the Savage Worlds characters? I, I generated a lot of the background stuff, and I re-edited some of that. But I also generated the characters, um, and I know the character point-wise are different. Um, and because I generated it based on their backgrounds, um, they're not like ideal characters for dealing with combat and stuff. Like Aaron <laughs> certainly felt that. Um, <laughs> with that. And, uh, so that, I mean, that's, that's something we could, we could say is like, how did you guys find these chat GPT generated human edited characters to play, you know, along with some of you have, this is the first time you've played Savage Worlds. Yeah. I, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like, I mean, I'm just looking at Orin again and I feel like, it did okay, but I don't know that it got everything right, and so I suspect. I know that, some of the point I values mean, makes, are off. Right, so I mean, I think I think my my in general what I found with ChatGPT, although I haven't I haven't tried it in a while, is like it it gets like maybe seventy percent of the way there, and then it makes up the remaining thirty percent, which may or may not be rules, um, and that's right. just with Dungeons and Dragons, right? Um, and it it has issues with like spell progressions and stuff like that. So I can see how it would have issues with say, um, you know, the weird science powers. I don't know how many weird science powers Rusty's actually supposed to have per like rules as written. Um, but so I, I didn't guess actually check my, exper- <laughs> in I my think, experience, I think I with, did, but it's been a while. <laughs> just because I, I mean, it, it, it yield, it has great promise for being able to streamline uh, character creation. Right. So for when I was doing, my prep for my mutant crawl classics and mothership games from epicon uh earlier this year i really tried to use it to help do that because character creation can take so long um and i was i just ended up like manually hand rolling things because it just does not understand mutant crawl classics (laughs) 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 straight up it doesn't get it so um but overall i mean it worked it, it was good enough for our purposes right and i think you know, a lot with Savage Worlds, and I think we talked about this when we were delving into it more deeply in our, our Savage Worlds specific podcast, right? Like attributes can be tough because if you want to be good at a thing, then you need to have a higher value in there. It's really important. Mm-hmm. You can't diversifying is a thing you can do. You can have a D4 in all your skills and get more skills, but um, and the wild die may save your bacon, but overall you're gonna fail more. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. And I think that's that's go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was going to say, it's an interesting dichotomy, though, because a D4 will probably also explode a lot more than yes. a D6 will. Yeah. So even though you're worse at it, when you do hit it, you tend to hit it hard. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And that, that can make for a very interesting character, which I think is one of the reasons why I love Savage Worlds, because exactly. it's very unpredictable from a dice perspective, and mm-hmm. that can really drive your character. Yeah. I like the looseness of Savage Worlds. Um, it seemed to fit this game a bit better because it allows for a lot more interpretation and not everything is codified. That's one of the things that has happened uh, to like Dungeons and Dragons throughout the years is, you know, you used to have some very specific rules, especially for combat, but everything else was 
very nebulous. Um, and then as each edition of the game has progressed, more and more things become codified. Um, you know, there's the infamous how do you grapple in third edition um, <laughs> sort of dilemma. Yeah. And it's like, just just roll some dice and grapple and just make a choice. It doesn't have, you don't have to be 100% fair every single time. Um, you know, you don't have to go, I built my character specifically so they can grapple a dragon, you know, it, that sort of thing. You know, it, there's, a, there's some min-maxing <laughs> stuff that can be fun there, but it's also just, Hey, I'm going to play Savage Worlds and I want to punch a T-Rex in the face and that's totally possible and you don't have to specifically create your character to punch a T-Rex in the face and survive. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so so who of us had played Savage Worlds before? I know I had, I know Chris had. I had not. The, I mean, Aaron and I could technically say that we had because I ran the the one <laughs> shot here, but I'm going to say no. <laughs> Like this was my first time running and or playing Savage Worlds and I picked it up really quick. I liked it. Yeah, yeah I um, had a couple questions on the rules and stuff like that, but overall they were kind of small things. Yeah. And I am sure we got a lot of them wrong. Oh probably. We <laughs> we had fun with them and I don't think it hurt the game at all. Yeah, I mean all of this the, st- the rules are always subservient to the story. And, you know, the, I, I know there are many types of gamers in the world and there are people who really enjoy trying to model the real world in a game setting, you know. Um, but that, that isn't me. I want the players, when I run, I want the players to have fun. And mm-hmm. if we're not having fun, there's no point to anything we're doing. I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to fix the world. We're not going to change anything. We're not, this is, this is a hobby. This is, this is like playing video games that people, some people really like the super hard video games. Um, but that's not what I go to the games for. And <laughs> that's kind of, you know, I'm seeing this thing happen with D and D it's been a long slide um, but like everything that I'm seeing about their next version, their one D and D effort, all of it is just, boy, there's going to be a lot of rules. God, <laughs> there's so much, there's so much that you have to memorize for the intersection of your, your tiefling rogue that's been to sigil, but then has half blood characteristics of a dragonborn on Thursdays, <laughs> that, you know, and it's just, I'm, I'm sitting here reading all of this and going, this is why I keep going back to savage worlds or, right. you know, some right. of these simpler systems where mm-hmm. look, I don't want it to get in the way. Yep. That's all I want. I mean, there's a reason so, I so didn't Aaron, switch over to pathfinder you know, right? It's because you know Pathfinder uh, came from D three point five, and you know it's hate. just it's. I like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like doing things like. I have enjoyed playing war games in the past. I would still do it mm-hmm. if I had people who would play in the vicinity of me. Um, but when I sit down for a role playing game, I'm sitting down for a role playing game, not a war game and I don't need all that crunch. I like a little bit of it. And I think, and I think Savage Worlds gives a good amount of it. Um, 2d 20 seems to give a good amount of it. The Modifius 
2d20 system. Um, although they keep drifting it between each setting that they come out. So I don't know what the true right. system is, but, <laughs> um, I, I like a little bit of crunch, but not too much. I like to be able to see the characters and the role playing happen and not have a combat take an entire game session for two rounds. So, yeah. I have, I have a question for Aaron in particular, cause you were talking about your character and I think Aaron likes to have that, those cool backgrounds and, and like, you know, she probably gave more insights into her character than any of the rest of us gave how yet the dice. So how do you feel like, like mechanically the, your character is playing out? Like, do you feel like you have to, to change it to get to it? Or are you just like, I'm just going to go with whatever the dice tell me. <laughs> like, is there a disconnect between what you're rolling and your vision for the character, I guess is my question. Uh, oh, um, I, I've, well, I've just kind of folded in the failure into her. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she experiences a lot of failure. And so I think she's got a growing disappointment that maybe, she isn't everything she thought she was in her head. And uh, maybe she's really not meant for all of this. So I've just kind of folded that into her as like, maybe she, th I think she's kind of coming to the realize that she was propped up and um, mm. that she's now, that she doesn't have her team behind her of hired for better word, you know, kind of Sherpa people <laughs> that are behind right. her <laughs> and carrying, maybe she was carried a lot in her career and in her successes. And I've just kind of folded that into that. And she's coming she's to probably, terms with some better reality. Yeah. I, I like for me, it, I, I see where you're going and like a lot of the physical things like, setting up a camp or doing a lot of other of the physical labors and stuff, I could see that her support staff was not necessarily, it was more competent at that maybe than she was, but like the research side, I think she's pretty darn good at. The problem mm -hmm. is, is that you haven't had a chance to really use that side in the game so far. <laughs> you um, don't combatively you know, research. Tracked. You don't combatively <laughs> research. Not usually. No. <laughs> I mean, like we haven't gotten to the Evie in the mummy series where she's reading and interpreting a book that her brother is reading across the room as right. he's trying to, to parse it. But then she's like, it's a bird thingy. And then she's like, oh, it's a menifice, you know, that sort of thing. That hasn't happened yet. Right. Um, Which I, I think Savage Worlds can lend itself to doing those kinds of things because it does have social challenge rules. It does have like, you know, the equivalent of like a simpler skill challenge, right? Where you can complement each other like that. But like you say, we haven't mm -hmm. quite gotten to that. Yep. So in your, to you, I think there's some growing self doubt in, in Liliana. And so she's getting quieter and quieter because that self doubt is coming in there. So, uh, looking back, uh, is there anything you would redo as part of the campaign or as part of the set of games so far? Um, you know, what would it be? Why? Um, or what lessons have your characters learned, which goes straight to Liliana, which you were just talking about. Um, 
you know, as, as you've gone through, what, what have your characters found valuable and or interesting? If we can remember that far back. <laughs> I'm going to go with too soon to tell. In total game time, my character has been involved for about 12 hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and so, like, mentally, it's, he's still very much in the, where am I? What are we doing? What the hell's going on? So, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of lessons yet. Getting to know the people, that kind of thing. But it's still very... Very fresh, mm-hmm. I guess is is where my is where Alaric is. I think a lot of us are still trying to figure out the surroundings because they keep changing. <laughs> so it's it's as far as like what what other thing maybe I would have taken more weapons from <laughs> the hunting shack that we were at. <laughs> but the the displaced trophy room that happened yeah. to be in the middle of the cave. Yep. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think most of us are still like, why is there a trophy room in this underground cave? <laughs> and then we <laughs> go through another portal and we're in like a land of floating islands. <laughs> so it's I think currently there's not too much that I think we really could have done differently. Cause, I mean, maybe been a little bit quieter, but to try not to draw as many gloom spiders to us. But <laughs> overall i don't know i don't know gotcha so i guess that Um, i mean that that comes to go ahead aaron sorry do you have more liliana is just adapting to every situation as it comes because there's no point in trying to forecast what's going to happen next you just so she's in a very reactionary state and i think all the characters are um they can't think of what they're going to do next because they're just reacting to everything that's going on around them. So that brings me to a question is, should we continue this game? Um, I've got some ideas of it, but um, one of the things that I do when I run a game is I like leaning on the characters' backstories. But I made a mistake here, um, or or put myself in a put myself in a sticky situation where I have completely separated you from the entire planet that you lived on. <laughs> so, how do I pull in those character backstories if if you're not where you normally are? Um, and so, it makes the game a lot harder for me to pull on the role playing strings for you guys to. Um, act and react to. I would like to continue to play Savage Worlds in some fashion. I'm not particularly bonded to this world or this game because, again, it's it's hard to follow initially for me mm-hmm. because of exactly what you talked about. It's you've taken characters that were in an alien world to the player and put them in another alien world. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of hard to, that being said, I like the way you run. And so if we were to do a situation where you have a world you want to play and maybe it's even this one and we go and create characters for that world that have backstories like we did for cyberpunk, 
mm-hmm. um, I think that would hook me in. To, it would help me feel more attached to the game. Like right now, if we don't pick this back up, it's okay. It's no problem. If we do play it, it's great to get together to play. I don't have a lot of emotional investment in it at this time. Gotcha. See what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and that's that's part of why I was bringing this question up is uh, there was another RPG blogger out there who said there was like a – he when he runs a game at the end of like session four is like, mm-hmm. hey, do we want to continue this or not? Are we having fun with this or not? And so this is kind of the quote unquote session four area because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, is the game really gelling? And I'm, there are parts of it that are, but there are parts of it that aren't for me. I'm seeing something in your storytelling, which is interesting because it reminds me a lot of that Lovecraft podcast you recommended to me and mm-hmm. a couple of other, the BBC podcasts that set up, I think JJ Abrams called it puzzle box fiction. You have set up, a series of riddles that thus far have had no payoff. Now in puzzle box fiction, you almost never get a payoff. One thing leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another, but there's no, there's no climax in denouement, right? It it just kind of keeps going. I find that kind of storytelling. I'm going to need a payoff as a player. I'm going to need a payoff. I'm going to need an answer. I'm going to need a clue like in the next game, if I'm going to continue, <laughs> um, this is not right. a criticism of you. This is a, this is just a, I know the things you were listening to and I see it coming out in your game. And, okay. and that's, Oh, and that's okay. I, I don't want to, I don't want to come off as I'm criticizing your style, David. That's no, no, it. it's fine. I'm, I'm just saying that I like the riddles, but we're, but like you said, we've gone from alien place to alien place to alien place. I'm going to need a little bit of information now. I'm going to need a little bit of whether it's an info dump or we discover, you know, someone else has been here before us or something that partially explains a little bit of what's going on. Right. Yeah. And I agree with that. Um, I, that is some of the games that Aaron and I used to play um, back with our old group when we lived in Illinois, back in college, there were some games where as we would play, we'd, we'd see this mystery that has been building that mm-hmm. we didn't maybe even know was a mystery per se initially, but then we would solve it as a, as a group um, or, mm-hmm. or pull that curtain back and right. understand more about it. And that's what has to happen here. Um, but, you know, with the characters as they are, uh, it's hard for me to pull those background pieces or have you go and talk to people that you may, that your characters knew because you're completely separated and cut off from those people. Um, <laughs> and like one of those, stuff, yeah. And <laughs> so like I'm having a hard time. I can come up with dungeon crawly type games, you know, like, you go, you go through the quote unquote Stargate and here's your adventure and then you come home. But, and those can be fun, but they aren't satisfying to me. I want Mm -hmm. to see the character generate the character create, not creation, but character development. I want to see the story of the characters um, and have them solve their own mysteries and problems. Um, I don't want necessarily want it to be just a dungeon delve. 
let me recommend something to you. And I know we were going to talk about tools. Go take a look at Worlds Without Number. Okay. From a GM tool tooling standpoint, the, his whole point, the thing that Kevin Crawford puts out there is the idea of sandbox gaming where everything is driven by the desires of the characters. Yeah. There's the, and so I think there's a hybrid somewhere between what we've got currently. And, you know, so we need to be able to go and explore and find things, but those might help spur that emerging story for you. Um, I want to, I mean, I want to let everybody else speak because I've been monopolizing it, but I also want to hear from you, David. Do you want to continue with this game? Well, I mean, that's part of the reason why I brought it up is like I am not satisfied right now with the game. Okay. You know, I I would like to – I would like more character development. I would like more role-playing between all of you, but Mm -hmm. I don't see how I can accomplish that with the game right now as it is. Mm. So like, if you guys are still interested in it, I will try to figure that out um, and probably lean on you guys and say, how can we do this um, <laughs> and do it? But I am also just fine with going, that was fun for a little while. Let's yeah. figure out something else for our, our Saturday side quests. Yeah. I like the, the system. If we are going to stop you need to send me like what that whole chat GT binge, <laughs> like where this was going to go <laughs> and everything. I, because I, I, I need I, answers. <laughs> I will let you know. Um, yeah, I, most of it has been like, here is the setup for the game. There, there was no uh, okay. ending for the game that I put, oh, that okay. I put together, but I can, I can, I'll let you guys talk for a little bit more and then I'll, I'll tell you, like what actually happened with the portal and where I was thinking <laughs> of, of having the game go. Okay. That's more what is... I'm, cause I was like, that's the stuff that I'm like, if you don't tell me what that is, I'm going to explode. <laughs> if we're going to end this and I'm not going to get the answers, it's kind of like what Chris was saying. Like I need some answers though. <laughs> Because otherwise, yeah, I will I will go crazy in here <laughs> because I'm just going to constantly think about it. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't be like, hey, you're four seasons into a show and it didn't get renewed, so you have no idea what happened. <laughs> yes, you know, right. I, won't, I'm, I won't do that. I, th- I think because um, I just I just came out of again pre- prepping two adventures for for Mepicon, and so for that. Um, especially when I did the mutant crawl classics adventure, cause mutant crawl classics can be so, uh, just, just so, um, just throwing dice and hack and slash and what have you. And so I, I very specifically went in and set up like potential character conflicts and relationships between each character. This person relates to this person in this way, which I think for a one shot can be helpful, even if the players at the table ignore it. Um, cause I know mm-hmm. what the character should be doing. Right. Um, and so I think in for something like this, where you're doing it as a pregen, that would have been helpful, right? So that you would already have had sort of the story in play. Um, the other thing I've seen like in the alien RPG is they have built-in character developments that are going to happen during the one shot that will be revealed when you get to like act one or act two or act three, right? Um, right. And I think I did the same thing for 
for mothership where I was trying to like purposely give people those hooks so that when they, when you would react, I think my characters there were less detailed from a background perspective, but the plot was going to drive important decisions, right. Which would give the character something to react to. So, um, I think overall, like I haven't played enough to be able to make an informed decision. I love Savage world. So I'd play some more. We could treat this as like <laughs> the pilot where we learned stuff. And then, you know, you basically do, uh, the season, the, the new pilot, right? Like this is the, like star Trek, right. With, uh, you know, captain mm-hmm. Pike. And now you do oh, yeah, the yeah. pilot with captain Kirk, right. Um, yeah. new team, similar setup, but everybody brings in their own characters. And then you've got that background to, to tease from. Cause I mean, I think, the setting is interesting i like steampunk and i like the idea mm-hmm. i think world hopping just as inherently problematic as we saw with like especially with stargate Certainly um, can be. the last the last stargate one stargate universe where they yeah. purposely left every world behind and you will never go back again and that introduced <laughs> drama and tension but unlike regular stargate where everything was building up right yeah. like you got lost in space basically and it can be hard to keep the story going forward. So I don't know if that's part of what you're struggling with. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it is partly. (laughs) As far as the system goes, like the system itself, I love it. Like it's super easy. It's super simple to, uh, Mm -hmm. to figure out the, the only weird part that I saw was the, the, I guess getting initiative, doing the cards (laughs) seemed a little (laughs) out of place to me. So the cards, so Savage Worlds, the first Savage Worlds game, um, the intent was to create a system that was, had a little bit of crunch like D&D, but combats ran faster than D&D. And this was back in the 3.5 days, I think. Um, And, but the first true Savage Worlds game, I believe was Deadlands, which was a weird West game where the magic was done via gambling and poker and so using the cards kind of added to that aesthetic huh interesting so that's kind of so it's just like a leftover then yeah yeah but i think it it purposely create like i also i didn't play it with you guys in roll 20 i think um at the table there is drama from throwing cards and, there is. and there's an excitement okay. to seeing yeah. what card came up where that I don't know necessarily translates well into roll 20 because there's a, yeah, yes. there's a dynamic. We don't get to really to see each other's. Mm-hmm. And, and Savage oh, Worlds actually has this, this nice form fillable PDF that you can print out, especially on cardstock that becomes this folded table tent that has this little ledge that you can stick the card. You just lean the card in a particular spot. So like the GM would, would deal them out and then you'd stick the card there. So the GM would know exactly when everybody was going and could then, you know, the, the initiative went really fast. Um, So it's not like, Hey, who rolled a 10, you know, who, who rolled between 10 and 15 and, and Mm -hmm. like, writing it down all the time it was <laughs> completely visible to pretty much everybody on the table you'd remember yours and you could see everybody else's so you'd know who was going next I as a player you. and as a gm hmm. so yeah I, I like that portion about it i can see it being anachronistic in like hey let's play this weird steampunky game but for some reason we have playing cards 
you know well it was just <laughs> like everything else is like rolls of d4 d6 right. like everything, everything else, else is, is using a roll. dice just that one part yeah. <laughs> is like we're gonna do this weird <laughs> okay yep one of the neat things about that system though is no one can tie yeah that is mm-hmm. very right. true yeah right um i never even thought of it that way <laughs> so like it sounds like if if we were to continue um doing i like the idea of with ken of like that was our pilot um let's make actual let's make characters with it i still don't i that would give me more of a background piece but if i'm doing the world hopping bit that becomes hard and problematic as well so mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. Um, you guys have given me some things to think about, uh, right now I'm still thinking, Hey, let's just leave it at the number of sessions that we've done, which means I think one, one more will come out next year to (laughs) finish off the cave portion. Um, And everybody will understand what we mean what we mean by flying islands because that hasn't come out yet for everybody. (laughs) No, it's okay. Uh, But so the idea behind the game, though, was that the portal actually ripped apart the reality of um, Savralia and Astrakia and that whole uh, that whole planet sort of thing. And then the idea was as you went world hopping, you would start to assemble or reassemble. And that was another part that was missed kind of a mystery of like are you reassembling the world that you that you left behind or was just possibly destroyed or are you creating a new one because as you went through and either succeeded or failed there'd be kind of like an evil leaper sort of thing from quantum leap sort of thing going on there (laughs) where you'd have other people trying to do the same thing um as you went through you would get more more Oh, you muted Uh-oh. yourself. Yeah, you <laughs> muted yourself, David. <laughs> there we go. There you um, go. <laughs> I hit the space bar, and every time I hit it again, it would double. It would hit it twice, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so there would be kind of like the evil leaper sort of thing and uh, or, or an- other groups that were opposed to you um, mm-hmm. that you might have ended up being, you know, you could have possibly allied with or maybe not. You know, it all it would that would all depend on you, uh, but there was a limited amount of resource sort of thing where you were rebuilding or building a safe haven or hub for yourselves. Um, okay, and you know it would be up to you whether or not you wanted to reassemble what you knew as your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the main scientist was going to be one of those people who were. Um, I'm taking a. Uh, I am taking a page out of Aaron, one of Aaron's old characters, of Jenna, um, who was who would do, like she has a goal, and she's going to do whatever it takes to get to that goal. Um, you know. She would do the shortcuts. She might hurt people to get to that goal because she sees the goal as the greater good, you know, and the end will justify the means. Um, And that might be a problem 
<laughs> you know, for <laughs> thousands of people eventually sort of thing. Um, you're unmuted, Aaron. Jenna would have had no problem with shake and bake. <laughs> yes, yes. Just, just to be sure. Jenna, um, Jenna shoved, uh, uh, like sent ice meteors into the elven empire. She was an elf, by the way, into the elven empire to, uh, stop them from interfering with some of the plans that she had. I'm like a, you do. I'm a like big fan like, ass. I love it. Price of doing business. You got yourselves involved in this and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yep. you found out, you found out that that's, <laughs> that was Jenna's viewpoint. Yep. Was, right, uh, any, was roll ahead. 20 helpful for you, I guess, David? Yeah, it was actually roll 20 was, uh, really helpful. Any, any virtual tabletop would have been helpful. Uh, Albert rodeo would have also worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, I used roll 20 because I had the savage worlds expansion like piece in there. Uh, so it gave us the character sheets and it gave us, uh, cards and bennies that I could hand out, which mm-hmm. Albert rodeo, mm-hmm. you know, at least. 1.0 didn't do, um, you know, I'd have to be much more manual about it. Um, it helped it feel more like an in-person game, which was nice. Um, so, uh, I, I like how over the years roll 20 has improved, uh, in yeah. some of those areas. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot smoother than it used to be. Ken, did you get to use the roll 20? Cause you've played this in person, right? Where mm-hmm. with like the I guess the what I'm trying to get at is how does it work with the exploding dice? Is it easier to do it in like the virtual tabletop, or is it like oh I don't get the same satisfaction of uh, yay I rolled a six now I get to roll again? I think there's a lot more um, enthusiasm and well so so I've I've I did Savage Ring World uh, with my own group and so we we played using Roll Twenty and what have you and I think. There is a tactile, real-world experience to Savage Worlds that just can't get captured by a, a virtual tabletop because you roll the six, and then you roll it again, and then again, and again, and the tension at the table goes up with every roll. And then, mm-hmm. you you know, and me as, like, the, the DM, like, I'm running, my big bad has just, you know, shot somebody in the face, right? But that's okay because they can try and soak the roll, right? And then their dice explodes, right? And then it keeps going. (laughs) And there's this epic sort of like tension that might end up with just, it's both nerfed, but it's like, it's like Neo and Agent Smith in the Matrix, like in the subway scene where they're like guns to their heads and they're shooting and they're shooting and they're shooting and they're missing and they're missing and they're missing and they're suddenly (laughs) click, right? And you get those moments at the table, which are really, really pretty damn cool. Um, yeah, but, and know, I think you can do that in a, <laughs> you could totally do that in a virtual tabletop, but, uh, like Albert rodeo, since it doesn't have a system that would naturally mm-hmm. happen because you're rolling a die right. either locally or with die. the dice roller in Albert rodeo. But mm-hmm. if you're setting it up where you click once on a character sheet in roll 20, it rolls all those dice for you. Yeah. And you don't. And you're like, oh, look, I did something feels, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it feels like you don't have as much agency, but you definitely don't have that ratcheting up of excitement or tension as mm-hmm. each new die explodes. 
<laughs> either right. for good or ill. It just <laughs> happens in one click. We're going around the table. Like I think we talked again. I think we talked about this in our on our uh, Savage Worlds episode. But like me as the player, I have these oversized as the GM. I have these oversized cards, um, and I'm going around the table and I'm tossing you your card, and you see a two, and you see a three, and you see a four, and then you throw the Joker, and everyone's like, "Whoa!" Right? Or, or, or I lay out the cards in front of me, and it's okay because I got. I also got a two, right? But you beat me, right? So like there's this going around the table and it actually happens pretty quickly, right? So that's another one of those sort of like the tension is growing very quickly. It's just as I'm dealing cards. So, hmm. yep. Interesting. It's fun stuff. <laughs> there's a certain, um, there's certain tactileness that the online stuff is not. Yeah. There isn't a direct analog for it. It's great Even for just having a Benny to play with. For, yeah. It's great yeah. for speed and it's great for long distance, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. The, yes. uh, the what I find this and stuff. Yeah. What I found as both a benefit and a drawback was, um, it allowed us to get started and playing really quickly because we didn't mm-hmm. need to really learn the rules as much because we could just click the button of, Hey, roll this skill. But then when we came back to it, it's like, we didn't we hadn't learned the rules anymore because we just right. clicked the button and it just did it for us. Yeah. And so like I think you learn the rules faster when you're when you're when you don't have everything automated for you. And it allows you to do things outside of the scope of the rules more easily because you know like like saying you're you're you have your character all set up and everything like that in roll 20 and you want to basically break the rules as a GM and give them some sort of thing that allows them to have a skill or an ability or whatever that doesn't fit that predefined character sheet mm-hmm. at, at the table. You just write it down, uh, you know, uh, in some, in some like character sheet things, there's no ability to really, home home rule or house rule things or yeah. you have to go through a lot of hoops in order to do that um so i i like roll 20 because you know like three of us are in indiana one of us is <laughs> in ohio and one of us is um in your your pennsylvania right I, you're mm-hmm. like right on the border so you know <laughs> so it's like all over the place um so we can't really like sit in front of each other unless we all had like VR headsets on. Um, <laughs> right. But then we wouldn't be looking at each other's faces either. So, yeah. right. There's a great benefit, but also some, some big drawbacks too. Yeah. Um, I, I love the Savage World system. Um, I've got like the player's guide coming so that, um, you know, like Aaron can, I, I got it for Aaron to be able to look at. It hasn't come in yet though. Uh, I have the PDF of it, but um, it it's nice to have a physical book in this yeah. case because it's easy to have things like lay open and such. So I would say seek it out in the real world, but it's cool to play online too. Yep. yep. Speaking yep. of books, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be another. We'll, we'll do that another, another time. <laughs> we're yeah, we're at about an hour here. So thanks everybody. <laughs> And uh, again, uh, you know, like, favorite us, do whatever thing it is that's special on the where you're wherever you're hearing this or seeing this. 
come on over to LayerSecrets.com. We've got all the other links, um, and you can join our Discord. Don't need to add a Patreon or anything. Uh, so just come on over. We'd like to hear your feedback. We'd like to hear how your games have gone, both in person and online, and how things are with those things. Um, and we will see you next season. Uh, well, actually, Cyberpunk will come out probably right after this, our Cyberpunk retrospective and review. Uh, but then we'll we'll see you again in January. Uh, we're going to take December off scheduling wise as you know, it's, it's always difficult in December for, over here in the Americas. Uh, and we'll see you in January.